0: Okay, so um, Man, it's really dark up here This is the darkest uh, part So if I struggle this morning um, So last week, if you were here We, we kind of finished up with uh, narrative images And the depictions of Bible characters uh, Both symbolically um, as, as their character is represented And, and Art and also from a narrative sense, and kind of, I kind of gave my take at the end of that uh, as to why so many Old Testament characters show up in the early Christian art. Um, And so this week we're beginning um, to to slide into the Constantinian and post-Constantinian period, post three thirteen. Remember, three thirteen is the Edict of Milan when um, Christianity. Uh, certainly can come out from under, uh, come out from hiding uh, because of um, imperial patronage and uh, and although there's persecution still going on within the empire and even in the provinces, uh, it, it becomes uh, much less prevalent and um, and because of that, uh, uh, art. The way the faith is represented in art begins to change. Uh, not long after that, kind of in the mid three uh, hundreds, we also start seeing the doing away of catacombs, underground burial, uh, and the art associated with that. And, and of course, there are lots of reasons for that. One of the obvious ones is that you know cr- uh, Christian art and burials underground as a you know memorial uh, is no longer doesn't create a threat of persecution Uh, but that's probably it just kind of went out of vogue as well so there wasn't uh, after about the mid 300s we don't have a lot of catacombs art Um, we do have those type of images such as panel paintings and uh, frescoes show up in funeral contexts but they're not in kind of uh, the hidden catacombs context Uh, we still have sarcophagus uh, carvings and things like that uh, through uh, the early 5th century, really. So this morning, I want to just make a couple of uh, couple of major observations about, it. Uh, we're going to be talking about the images of Jesus, because images of Jesus uh, that are specifically identifiable as Jesus start showing up uh, in the early 4th century. Um, And continue, of course. And then between the fourth and fifth, and mid-fifth century and sixth century, um, there's a transition between how those images are represented. And I think it's a significant observation. Uh, And then I want to talk about uh, King of Edessa this morning, which is a fun story uh, to talk about. So, uh, any questions? Any questions or follow-up questions about? Uh, last week about kind of the narrative images Old Testament anything anything discovered this week anybody y'all, y'all are not following the Twitter feeds of archaeologists <laughs> come on what's wrong with y'all I, d- I don't I don't have the Twitter so I don't is the Twitter a device is that one is it i Y'all think I'm weird? Don't I? Uh, okay, so two types of images of Jesus. Jesus uh, shows up in early Christian art. Um, there's kind of basically two types during the third and early fourth century. Uh, the, the first we've talked about already, uh, kind of the argu- arguably metaphorical or symbolic reference to the character or teaching or divine position, kind of in the form of the Good Shepherd, uh, the philosopher, or other borrowed iconography uh, of uh, pagan and uh, secular images. Uh, In other words, we see Jesus early on, but we don't really know it's Jesus. It's the good shepherd who could also be the good shepherd from Greco-Roman representation, right? But we see it in in juxtaposition with other uh, specific Christian images, so we say that's probably... Uh, Jesus, And then we also find, we didn't talk a lot about the Orpheus and Sol Invictus uh, representations. Uh, I'm, it's mildly controversial, so I didn't want to get way into it. Like, uh, especially, it, I, I talked about in Egyptian panel art where you see, you know, is this Jesus or is this Sol Invictus? You know, there's, um, but there are definite uh, indications that uh, Jesus was represented um, by other people. Uh, mythological iconography uh so we just leave it at that first grouping is jesus who may or may not be jesus but m- more than likely is representing the character or teaching or from time to time the divine position of jesus uh, through kind of non-specific uh the second type are portrayals drawn directly from specific script- scriptural passages uh, they're more literal. They come directly from Scripture, and they show Jesus doing what Jesus did, uh, which is uh, miracles, uh, being baptized. Um, they rarely depict Jesus alone. And again, we're talking about uh, kind of mid uh, or late third century, early fourth century to mid fourth century. About a hundred years here, where where we see images that we know that are Jesus. Um, but before kind of the Constantinian change that that happens, uh, where he's depicted differently. But this first type, we rarely see Jesus alone. Uh, He's usually uh, the central figure uh, in the middle of other people uh, performing miracles, healing, teaching. Uh, The other figures uh, represented usually have equal stature, uh, physical stature, and they omit For the most part, uh, evidence of awe or reverence or anything that would indicate some overt divine position. Uh, And so representations of that would be like find Jesus in this picture, (laughs) you know? Uh, This is a sarcophagus, uh, early fourth century, late third century, early fourth century one the one exception is jesus mo- many times during this period is depicted uh and, and most again we're looking at early early ivory uh triptych carvings or uh these marble sarcophagus um uh context Jesus is seen as a small naked child um being baptized that's kind of the exception where he's he's shown um almost always in this odd uh, configuration John the Baptist in his camel skins not his prophet's robes uh, and so then you have uh, the shepherds and Jesus being born over here you have Jesus raising Jairus' his daughter on the right there uh, he's just a dude uh, in most of these depictions um, here's another one uh it's hard to tell where jesus starts and other people begin in these depictions um this again very early fourth century sarcophagus and there's jesus uh performing miracles uh, there's the woman touching the veil um there's no halo there's no indication of real divine stature other than the fact that he's obviously performing miracles and they're tied specifically to his work and teaching in his ministry um, he is in the orange position uh, there in the middle if that is in fact Jesus maybe it's not I don't know. I just noticed that but um, could be Mary actually um why do you think he has a stick every and this one, he either has a stick or he has his hand out. Right. Like almost his empowerment right. without imparting That's right. power. Yeah. What's the stick about? And he's kind of this long, uh, cropped haired tunic <laughs> fellow. But then throwback to when the other window was the most powerful? Striking. Striking the
1: rock. Yeah. Well, I it could it be as simple as from. From an artistic standpoint, you want everybody standing. The only way he can reach the head is an extension, so you the put a stick in there mind. to do that.
0: Yeah. I do not know actually. I, don't, <coughs> I haven't done any research on that, but there. Uh, it's interesting. It's Somebody research that. Give us so an answer. Centers. Give us a good answer next get week. The, director, to the subject. Yeah. To the yeah. yeah. There you go. It's a real art person in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Could a real art teacher teach this next week and tell us what the stick is about? Um, So this, to me, is significant because there is a change after... um, Again, it's not like the day after the edict we have art changes. It's a gradual uh, transition in all all these cases. And, you know, the catacombs, uh, art, and all of those... um, Situations—it's a gradual, you know, um, change over about a hundred years. But we start seeing Jesus show up uh, enthroned uh, with the halo and kind of the uh, the idea that will become uh, Pantocrator, or, or uh, Jesus, ruler of all, or, or judge judge of all, which is a very um, Will become a very prominent and repeating image of Jesus During the Byzantine period um, We start seeing that represented uh, We also see him standing uh, over the apostles sometimes Handing them a scroll uh, Which is uh, supposed to be uh, or or is the new law um, And for example, this is early fourth century. This is one of the earliest depictions we have, uh, or, or what would we would call a proper portrait of Jesus, where he's alone. Uh, it's obviously a, a portrait for portrait's sake, and this is in the this catacombs of uh, Commodilla, early fourth century. This is probably the earliest Prater, uh image we have. And of course, got the Alpha Omega. Uh, there in the halo Jesus with the long beard looking upward um, big, very very de- early depiction of Jesus in a way that we then begin to see him in earnest uh, this is very early uh, one, uh, 5th century this is uh, Santa pudenzianism
1: <laughs>
0: Basilica that's very uh, yeah, early early 5th century and again we see Jesus uh, enthroned um, in majesty uh, holding uh, what is the declaration of the new covenant um, and giving the peace symbol it's 1960s right yes, yes. Mrs. Brock
1: did the halo exist before the 300s in, in imagery
0: any kind,
1: and if not,
0: what do you think is the reason that it would be hurt? Uh, that's a great question for a true scholar. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I
1: am I, am I I am, am old
0: enough at this point in my life to be totally comfortable with that. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. In, in most of the research or most of the art we see in the catacombs, you don't have halos anywhere um, it, it they, it, I don't know about secular or pagan art um, I, I suspect that it is a contemporary with these uh, depictions um, er, and early on you notice these are obviously apostles uh, or people that are involved in Jesus' ministry none of them have halos mm-hmm. uh, later on, late 5th century, early 6th century and on we see everybody with halos. We see the apostles, we see the saints, we see the martyrs, uh, we see bishops, anyone ecclesiastical depicted uh, that typically have halos, including Mary Magdalene. I mean, um, you know, obviously the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, So that trajectory would suggest, yes. um, And in terms of the meaning, obviously it's a divine um, so somebody may, somebody else may know the history of the Halo. There, there
1: are some. Exa- I mean, just quick googling. There are some examples uh, in, in, in ancient Greek and other cultures of heroes and divine okay. heroes okay. Um, with emanating light, right? Some, know, or having, something or being akin surrounded to a- by, like, to show that, right. they, you know, In kind of the same way that you think of. Movie characters being backlit, or you know, not su- specific- Superman appearing right. in a burst of light—that right. that kind of thing. It's like, here's the hero. We're like, you know, we're putting him in the really, we're putting him in the spotlight. Okay, so not specifically Halo, but something akin to. A well, I mean, but it, it, it might it might it might be a Halo. It might be surrounding their okay. head. It might be just showing up in a burst in a burst of light, but sure. surrounded in, in some way, surrounded by light, being put in the spotlight. Sure that goes back into the Some people deep
0: into, think into the Sierra. People give off an aura. Right, right. So that might be the aura. Yeah. Um, here we have a really early ivory part of a triptych or diptych, mm-hmm. uh, possibly, which these are, um, and again, this is kind of the Pantocrator enthroned uh, symbol holding the, the book or the scroll um and then then you of course then you have the typical child seated with the mother which is also a very early occurrence We won't talk about that till next week but uh, also start seeing uh, the mother uh, the mother of Jesus um, carved ivory again part of a diptych or triptych which is by the way just a small ivory, uh, devotional panels or screens that were connected and sometimes would open up into a triptych or a three paneled scene that someone could um, somewhat could sit and use as a devotional which again is a very uh, k- kind of w- what we'll talk about when the iconoclasts come into play and the pushback that comes with the uh, deification of these images that begins during this period Uh, part of the problem with that of course is that um, uh, like Paulinus uh, talks about (laughs) Paulinus, the the saint Paulinus had a church uh, that had graves of early martyrs Uh, and people would come from all around to see these graves and they never would come in the church and so as a part of competing with uh, the people and trying to get them into the church. He commissioned uh, images uh, of Christ and the saints and people started coming in and part of the reasons is that part of the reason is that they would assign a divine um, encounter to the image itself. The image would be closely connected to relics. And certainly was early on was in proximity with relics of the saints which relics from early early on uh, were thought to have you know a divine and mystical power er, the earliest earliest was I want to be next to that martyr, I want to be next to that apostle, the bones of they have, that apostle to honor them then you know uh, it became a mystical experience Um Propagated by stories of miraculous things happening in and around the bones or the relics of saints. Uh, and then gradually we have those uh, occurrences and stories and experiences assigned to these images. Again, p- part of that was propaganda. Part of, part of it was advertising. It's like, look, we got to get people out of the graveyard and get them in the church. So let's come up with some great stories about how these images do the same thing as those saints' bones. And so you start having, and then that just explodes uh, in the mid-5th, 6th century uh, till you have eventually pushed back against that. And it's been pushed back several times. Henry VIII did a pretty good job. (laughs) In fact, my little gold statue that we started this class with was, was probably a victim of Henry's pushback, not only against Rome, but also anything having to do with Rome, those images included. Uh, So, uh, yeah. Are most of these like North Mediterranean, Northern Mediterranean, European versus, or are there different images from this period that are Southern like North African or? Yeah, we do see uh, Coptic and Ethiopian art. It's a little bit later uh, and we'll talk about that when we get to King of King of Edessa at the end. But for the most part, these are, yeah, in and around uh, Rome and uh, just the prov- provinces to some degree. Um, and, of course, you know, A, that's the in situ. That's where they were found. And B, stylistically, they all kind of conform to a particular European um, school. Um, <coughs> Uh, the, the provincial art being you know obviously uh, less attractive for centuries of that. So this yeah. uh, the ivory is early 5th century great, great. that's the, the, you get some late 4th century ivories but uh, it's difficult as well to t- you can look at an 11th century French ivory diptych carved uh, ivory and it's hard to tell the difference uh, stylistically well because they were basically there's a revival period of early early um, Christian art here's another uh, sarcophagus version of Jesus enthroned um, with Peter I forget who these two that Peter is one and I'm not sure the other perhaps John he's holding the scroll there uh, yeah I, I don't don't can't can't answer that yeah he's he's holding a uh, rope or some some kind of device there. not sure what that is. the that it, it's his actual heel. right step his heel stepping on that's a good point could could certainly represent Satan could be a snake he's striking the, yeah don't know. I'm not really good at detail, you know. It's like. In <laughs> um, so you know, what are the what are the reasons for this change of depictions of Jesus from the early the earliest 3rd, um, 4th century to uh 4th, 5th century. Um, there there are a couple of things obviously to note here observations. First of all, um christians began to see jesus as emperor uh, and they also uh, because of constantine began to see emperor as jesus which is um, very much in the roman uh style but they also saw christianity uh overarching as an empire uh an empire triumphing over other religions and other empires um Including the Roman Empire Um, We see this uh, Really well later on I mean this is 685 But you see uh, Justinian II On one side uh, And you see Christ On the other Uh, The later you get During the Byzantine period Especially on coinages It's hard to tell where Jesus starts And the emperor begins Uh, That's very uh, intentional uh, there, There is both a, um, uh, I think, a feeling and a thrust as Christianity grows and explodes under imperial patronage uh, that it very much is associated with an empire. Um, and n- not the way we think of it, maybe, and certainly not the way, the N.T. right way, this to say, you know, the, the thing... You you have juxtaposed empire uh, versus you know Jesus those two things are uh, don't sit well together but m- more in the traditional Greco Roman um, thought pattern of this is this is just how it is you know Christianity is is an empire it's it's the way Thomas Jefferson thought about uh, Thomas Jefferson the author of you know 35 greatest words in the American consciousness about liberty and about the smallness of government and how people rule themselves. He talked about the West as an empire for liberty. He didn't mean imperial (laughs) domination of the West. He meant empire in kind of this uh, classical sense of uh, the world is God's empire. Uh, That's the way popular religion thought of itself during the early uh, Constantinian or the early and mid Constantinian period the rulers may have had something a little different in mind um, as they would try to picture and connect themselves to the idea of that empire and again this is where things uh, take take a bad turn. The other really important observation to make as is that during this time uh, the debate about the divinity and humanity of Christ exploded in the 4th century um, th- That this is a whole PhD level um, people people earn PhDs <laughs> talking about this period that lead, led up to of course the Council of Nicaea in 325 which is where we get uh, the early uh, uh, creed uh, so that and that came about Constantine called that of course to resolve the questions of the relation between the fo- the son the father etc the the, um, the Arian question was God uh, was Jesus born or was he begotten there's a big difference and it's really important uh so we need to solve that these debates uh were really heated and really carried over that they didn't just exist uh in the academy or what we would loosely call the academy of the uh, 4th century existed among the populace Uh, and of course the populace most of the time wasn't commissioning this art it was the aristocracy or uh, the academy that commissioned most of this art but it it permeated throughout Christian culture it was a really uh, big deal and that theological debate plays out in the art and this is kind of the first um, instance of that um, this is a really important distinction uh, because you go from again Jesus being depicted early on before these de- theological debates were really in full swing uh, uh, being depicted as just a, a teacher, a miracle worker um uh, And then as these debates began began to uh, really take root, uh, we start seeing different kind of imperial depictions of Jesus. uh, That Again, I think both of those are legitimate observations about why this transition takes place. Uh, Both kind of Christianity actually starts becoming an empire. In other words, they begin to wield power with imperial patronage uh, that becomes increasing, increasingly um, prominent um, and even restrictive um, and then at the same time you have these debates that are uh, going on that are again we know how the council of Nicaea turned out two people refused to sign the, uh, the 1800 bishops and present you know, two, two didn't sign of course they were all under duress the two that didn't sign were banished um, need to read about that. <laughs> it's like we believe this because it's true. It's like we we believe this because we don't want to be banished. You know, there's there's a lot of interesting work that has been done in and around these councils and uh, and continues to, to be done. All right, I'm gonna stop now. Just and yes, yeah, so ask for yeah, Dave. on a general like looking wide. What impact did the written word, or, because I'm assuming around this time there was still or like, you learned stuff through, or through words, mm. through stories. Right. So, did, have we seen, because the art has improved mm. compared to, you know, so will, I guess the art that we're seeing now, is it because people are becoming more educated? And is that why the art is being better, or people are people just being better at art? Uh, I don't think it's because they're getting better at art. Um, and again, I'm not a scholar on it, but but but, um, but, but because you have artisan, it's like not in general population. The art that we see in the fourth and fifth century is of the quality that we see in Greco-Roman culture all the way back to 1500 BC, you know, or whatever. It's not that people, you know figured out how to refine gold, you know, and then it got better. You know, it, it, it's really among this, this class of art. I think, that, I mean, there are many factors involved, some which are pro- probably ignorant of. And in terms of uh, people being educated <coughs> about, um, are you talking about scripture specifically yeah, or, or just, just, just in general me. becoming more educated so the art gets better? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. I think A, you get the further away you get from Christianity being directly tied to Judaism so you don't have the you know, the prohibition against graven images, the further you get away from that, the more widely spread art, you know, and depictions are gonna be. And it makes a huge difference. It does make a huge difference in in terms of A it being okay. We're under the protection of the emperor now. Uh, and B we have those natural resources to commission more art. you have more and more people in political circles uh that are you know hey the emperor loves jesus i love jesus too you know i want to get close to the emperor there's a lot of widening political circles that are christians now i don't mean to say that people weren't authentically being converted uh i think and you know whether they were they want. God works in mysterious ways, right? Um, there's been plenty of great good been done by people who weren't authentically uh, uh, converted, but there was a political climate that favored Christianity, and as that political circle grew, uh, those resources were more made made more available. In other words, I want to impress the emperor. I'm going to have this, you know, piece of art commissioned that is exclusively Christian you know uh, certain, the, 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 I think those are that is just one of the many factors I think um, yeah it, and also Christianity was growing um, and, and then we'll start to see you know these, these the art grow in those provinces as well and again we'll talk about Coptic art uh, the week after next any other comments? comments? Alright, I want to just, I want to read um, this image I love. Has anyone ever heard of uh, the king of Edessa, that story? I, I hadn't heard uh, probably in the last few years uh, when I was studying the history of the church and the fact that, you know, most people think of the Ethiopia, that, you know, the first Christian states outside of the empire. Uh, we think of Ethiopia, we think of Armenia, uh, but in fact, more than likely, uh, the kingdom of Edessa was probably the first, or one of the very first Christian states, and the king of Edessa, his name was uh, Abgar, this is Abgar the V, I think, according to Christian tradition, this image uh, was a holy relic consisting of a square, or rectangle of cloth. Uh, or, or what he's holding as a piece of cloth. This guy was a leper. Uh, he had a disease. It, he was contemporary with Jesus. Um, Ab- Abgar V was contemporary of Jesus, was ruler from, you know, 5 BC, 7 BC, uh, lost his kingdom under Roman occupation and then gained it back five years later and then was just kind of a provincial king Uh, he traditionally is thought to have written a letter to Jesus. Um, And this is the letter. Abgar, ruler of Edessa, to Jesus, the good physician who has appeared in the country of Jerusalem, greeting, I have heard the reports of you and of your cures that performed by you without medicines or herbs. For it is says that you make the blind to see and the lame to walk, that you cleanse lepers, cast out impure spirits and demons, that you heal those afflicted with lingering disease and raise the dead. And having heard all these things concerning you, I have concluded, one of two things must be true. Either you are God, and having come down from heaven, you do these things, or else who does these things? Uh, Or else you who does these things are the son of God. I have therefore written to you to ask if you would take the trouble to come to me and heal all the ill which I suffer. For I've heard that the Jews are murmuring against you and they're plotting to injure you. Uh, But I have a very small yet noble city, which is great enough for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I just love the audaciousness of this guy. Of course, this is Jesus' response, apparently. Jesus sent this back. Blessed are you who has believed in me without having seen me, for it is written concerning me that uh, they who have seen me will not believe in me, and those who have not seen me will believe and be saved. But in regard to what you have written me, that I should come to you, it is necessary for me to fulfill all things here for which I have been sent, and after I have fulfilled them thus, to be taken up again to him that sent me. But after I have taken up, been taken up, I will send to you one of my disciples, that he may heal your disease and give life to you and yours. Uh, This is a great story, and apparently uh, in 70, I think, Jesus... Oh, no, no. uh, Shortly after Jesus sent out the 70, one of the 70 disciples came to the king, as tradition states it, uh, and healed him of his leprosy and then gave him a a sheet of cloth that uh, mystically appeared an image of of Jesus. And this is a very early panel painting depiction of that image. That was reportedly held there for many centuries. It was taken to Jerusalem at one time, uh, and then it was lost during, I think, the Third Crusade. Uh, Have y'all ever heard this story? The truth is, I mean, obviously... Many scholars have discounted the letter uh, saying, you know, it, it couldn't be true for this reason and that reason. There's no evidence. It's probably a forgery written in the third century or, or the, yeah, third century. Uh, but it's a fascinating story. And the fact is the kingdom of Edessa was an early Christian state. In fact, probably the earliest Christian state. So something happened, something happened, um, something happened, um and, and maybe it was just one of the 70 did in fact come uh, I mean that that's a, uh, a a tradition of the culture well, but this well, is in Turkey it's a good. part of Turkey yeah. um, fascinating story <laughs> that I don't, didn't know much about but any, yeah it's breathtaking actually I don't um, anybody have any comments we're done but thank y'all for for being here and do a little research on king of edessa next week come in